0: Thank you, Kevin, and allowing me a few moments to get back after that glorious, just so wonderful. When I told the elders that uh, I was definitely concluding my six-month commitment as your part-time pastor on June 30, it was with a sense of thankfulness for the six months that I was able to share with the congregation and with those out in listening land, but mostly with those four men as elders, and to enter into some of their life and to be able to pray for them their wives and their family, as we pray for so many others within the congregation. And when I said that uh, June 30 was it, they reminded me that I was down to preach on the 11th of July. They asked me to do an introduction to John's Gospel, that which we'll be studying for the remainder of the year. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get up here and preach a hot Gospel message. But we've had that in that beautiful song, haven't we? And that wonderful reading from the Scriptures. Anyway... Like a, a good obedient servant, I was submissive to the elders and I remind you that those of you who are members of the congregation here, you are to be in submission to the elders. You've got to do what they tell you. you got to follow the directions they give you. And in doing that, you'll just know joy and peace in your heart and life. So thank you, elders, wherever you all are today. Thank you for allowing Julie and I to share as uh, your pastor for six months and to introduce me to what it means to work with men who are so committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ that it humbles me. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for who you are and what you do. But I want to challenge the church today. Four men... With their wives and families, can't do it all. Matter of fact, they can't do anything without the prayerful support of the congregation and the willingness to serve in all of the capacities that are open for service, and that's virtually everything. And I don't want the congregation to be committed to these men and to their families and to submit themselves to their leadership because they love you. They they carry a heavy burden for you. They push themselves to the limit and beyond. The only thing that's going to sustain them in these days is your prayerful support and your willing cooperation. So I'm going to launch out into this uh, introduction to John And to ask that each one of you be in prayer for whoever is rostered to preach because we need your prayers. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word because your word is truth, your word is light, your word is life. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ The living word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And I thank you for John and his gospel. And in the letters that he wrote, the epistles, the one that we've read today, portion of it, that sums up so beautifully the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that as we continue throughout these series, that you will inspire each of the preachers and you will inspire the congregation to be prayerfully supportive of them, to listen intently to the word that they bring and to rejoice in it. And for today, Father, may we know that special touch of your Spirit in our lives as we look into the sacred pages of your word that reveal to us Jesus. And may we see him high and lifted up. Not only as the one that we have sung about so emotionally today, but the one who is lifted up and exalted in our lives day by day. Glorify yourself, Lord here in this place, today and at all times. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who have uh, the opportunity to get the Packy Life and to read uh, the little bit that Michelle puts at the start of the Packy Life, it's it's interesting and if you haven't read this, this week's issue, please do so because there's an absolutely amazing truth that Michelle brought out for us to consider. And that is that sheep, even though they are bitten by vipers, do not die. Because God has placed within their system the ability for their blood to combat that poison, and they recover. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Now, if you don't think that's absolutely amazing, tell me something that is. God is good. He takes care of his little lambs. And even when he sent the serpent down and he made him grovel in the dirt... He made preparation for that bite. And in the same way that we might be bitten by the serpent of sin, God has provided a way for us in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. And friends, if you've never ever come to Christ, if you've never committed your life to him, if you've never asked him to forgive you of for the sins that you've committed, and don't, don't tell me that you haven't sinned. Not one of us here that hasn't sinned. And in our Bible reading today, it says, if we say we've not sinned, we deceive ourselves and make God out to be a liar. God has made provision for you. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what we did. When we come and confess that to Christ, the blood of the Lamb, cleanses us and saves us, purifies us and makes us holy and righteous and enables us to come into the very presence of God himself. That's amazing. But that's what God has done in Christ. i better get on. The introduction to Jaws 2 said, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, Did anybody see Jaws 2? Some of you did. Saw that little introduction. Well, I, I have to confess that I never saw Jaws 1, nor did I ever see Jaws 2. But I did and have done on numerous occasions read the Gospel of John. It's a beautiful part of our scriptures. And if you think John's gospel is pretty good, have a look at 1 John chapter 1. What an amazing introduction this is. Think of it. The words that he uses. Just Absolutely astounding. And John validates his uh, right to write so that we get it right in the words that he uses. His sharing with Jesus in his life and ministry and that great relationship that developed with them. Hearing, seeing. Touching, speaking. See all the senses that are involved in this? It's not just something intellectual. It's something that needs our whole being to understand the whole being of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And although he doesn't include them in this passage, tasting and smelling, tasting as in the experience of forgiveness and salvation. as Psalm 34 and 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't just sit there and look at the food on your table. It doesn't matter how expert they might have been in arranging it and preparing it. You have to taste and see. And it doesn't matter how good Christianity might look. You have to taste and see. You have to take it for yourself. You have to allow Christ to come into your life so that we taste and see that the Lord is good. And He goes on in Hebrews 6, 4 and 5, which talks to us about having tasted of the heavenly gift, sharing in the Holy Spirit and tasting the goodness of the word of God. So much for tasting. But what about smelling, you might ask? And even if you haven't, I'm going to tell you. The fragrance of the perfume poured out on Jesus by the woman would not be lost on John, particularly as Jesus related it to his imminent death. It would be pure and never putrid. You know the Bible tells us that God would not suffer His holy one to see corruption, and so He raised Him from the dead. And God will not allow us to see corruption, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as Don reminded us, Jesus is coming again, and He's coming for those who belong to Him, and we will not see corruption. We'll be taken, lifted. You know, you're sitting down there today and I wonder whether you're thinking, well, what, what what's going on here? You know, if Christ should come at this moment, I wonder how many of you be left sitting there wondering what on earth has happened. Because everyone here who knows Christ as their Saviour and Lord and has committed themselves to him will whoop, be gone. You won't have to worry about masks, but that's about the only thing you won't have to worry about because I'd hate to be in your shoes if you're left behind. Only need to read the scriptures, read the the prophecies in the Old Testament and see what devastation is going to come when the Christians are taken from this world and the non-Christians are left behind. Do you want to go to be with Christ? Or do you want to stay here and face the consequences? Second Corinthians chapter four, chapter two, I'm sorry, verses fourteen to sixteen. But thanks be to God, who always leads us captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us, listen, to spread the aroma. Of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. It was shared with us last Sunday about salt and light. And how true it is. And the scripture goes on that not just are are we to be salt and light in the world, but we are to be a pleasing aroma of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, amongst those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are an aroma that brings death and to the other the aroma that brings life. What a wow factor that is in our lives. We are to be such an example and a reflection of Jesus that people will be one to Christ. And our lives should be a challenge to others who don't know him to know that without the hope that we have, life on earth is a hopeless mess. So what do we want? A hopeless end or an endless hope? That's what's offered to us in Christ. And we are to be that aroma into the world. Now, I'd love to spend more time looking at uh, how the disciple whom Jesus loves continues in his love epistle. But I must go on. And to do that, I must go back. Gospel of John is different from the other three. Now, none of them can be taken individually and in isolation think that we have the complete picture. But together, they, they do give us a good, if not complete, coverage of the life and times of Jesus Christ. And as John said in chapter 21 and 25, many other things did Jesus which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might have different from the other three, and they're called the, listen to this word, they're called the synoptic gospels. Have you heard that term? Have you never heard that term before? Okay, all right, maybe you've had some good preachers that have covered these things before. But I wonder if I asked you, what does it mean? Well, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to tell you. Syn. That's S-Y-N, not S-I-N. I I don't have to tell you about S-I-N because you know all about that. S-Y-N, and it means together. Optic, optician, vision. So it's seeing things together but seeing them differently. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the three synoptic gospels. And they see things about the life and ministry of Jesus that are similar to one another, but in other instances quite different, whereas John sees things quite differently. And this happens because we are individuals and we see things from our own perspective. Let me give you an example. Our son-in-law in Canberra, though he lives far away, is a fanatical supporter of the Geelong Football Club. And if you're with Nick when he's watching a game of football and Geelong happens to be playing, you should hear him go on about the umpires. They have no idea of the rules of the game. They don't know what they're doing and somebody's paid them. Recently, Nick and Angela were having a holiday up in Queensland and there was a game being played out at uh, at the, the ground. It used to be called Carrara. I don't know what it is now, but that's where they were playing and Geelong wasn't playing. And Nick and Angela went to the game. And uh, toward the end of the game, Nick sent me a text. And he said, the umpires are terrific up here. They get everything right. And then he said, they don't do that when they're playing Geelong. Same umpires, same game, same rules. But you see, seeing things from that perspective. And and, and just for a a little while, I want to have a look at the other three. That's Matthew, Mark and Luke. Matthew was a a tax collector. He was involved in the government. And when he writes in his gospel, you will see things relating to the law, legality. He talks about the things that uh, see the fulfilment of the Old Testament prophecies, and the messianic emphasis demanding faith praising it discerning a lack of faith and condemning it mark now uh, mark was not actually a disciple as such but uh, he begins his book with the son of god and he ends the uh, the words after jesus crucifixion and before his resurrection spoken by the centurion at the cross. He said, surely this was the Son of God. He was a close friend of uh, and associate of Peter and in a sense really this should be the Gospel of Peter because Mark writes it from his understanding of the teachings of Peter and the preachings of Peter. He was a fisherman we see a simple, succinct, unadorned and yet vivid account of Jesus' ministry. More of what Jesus did than what he said. And he moves quickly from one event to the next. Impetuous, Peter. But also the one who said, you are the Christ, the Son, Of the living God. And that's the emphasis that comes out in the Gospel of Mark. Luke, on the other hand, we don't read of him as being a disciple, but he did write uh, in the Acts of the Apostles that he tells him about this former book that he'd written where he put in order the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So Luke's account, seen from his perspective, Luke was a doctor and seeing his perspective, there are so many things relating to the miracles of healing and of the way that he deals with things. It's structured. He talks on the parables. And it's interesting to note that when you when you're looking at Luke's gospel and you read from chapter 10 to 17, you'll find things there that are not written in any of the other gospel records. His early chapters cover the birth of John the Baptist and of Jesus as well as their infancy and early life. They're exclusive to Luke. Those are things that were important to him. Maybe he was a, a, a medical doctor that was involved giving birth to kids. Who knows? I don't know what happened. But when we read Luke's Gospel, we'll see that influence coming out again and again. And then we come to John and we will discover in John many things. We'll find him big on the divinity of Jesus, of light and darkness, of life and death, the awesome power of Jesus over disease, death and the forces of nature. He walks on water. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. It's interesting to note that uh, John is actually not named in his gospel, nor does he cover his calling to discipleship. However, Matthew tells us that it was the same day as Peter and Andrew. It is possible that he was one of the other disciples of John the Baptist, not named with Andrew, when he heard the words the Baptist said about Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God. Now Andrew immediately goes and finds his brother, and what was his name? Peter. And he brings him to Jesus. This is why we have Operation Andrew. Some of you would have heard about that. It's going out and finding other people and bringing them to Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Jesus is the one who can do it, but we can bring people to Jesus. We can bring people to hear the gospel. We can learn how to share faith, bring people to Jesus. And that's what Andrew did. Then he goes out and he brings Nathaniel. He continues it, not satisfied with just one, but he goes on to bring others to Jesus. Then a little later comes the calling of the four fishermen to follow him. To John and his brother James, Jesus gives the name Boanerges. Do you know what that means? Sons of thunder. That's what John and James were. They have to follow him. They must have been feisty characters. And they later asked Jesus if they could call down fire from heaven to devour the people that were giving Jesus a hard time. Still, this fiery character came to be known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't it amazing what a difference Jesus makes in the life of a person? And he can do the same for you. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus will come into your life and he will change you dramatically and completely. The old will be gone, and the new will begin. And you can be a person whom Jesus loves. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be good to be able to say, hey, Jesus loves me? And he does. The Bible tells us that over and over again. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So he goes on. A little bit about his gospel. Verse three chapters, including John 3.16, the gospel in a nutshell, are not recorded anywhere else. Chapters four and five, also not repeated elsewhere. And from chapter 7, verse 11, through to chapter 12, verse 11, we see aspects of Jesus' ministry that the synoptics don't record. And the most amazing to me being the sickness, death, and the raising of Lazarus. So if you want to know about that, you've got to read John's Gospel. And then chapters 14 to 17, which contain teachings on the Holy Spirit, the vine, and the branches, and the prayer of the Son to the Father for His disciples and for the world. Oh, do read John chapter seventeen. It's just beautiful. The first miracles, changing water into wine, is an exclusive of John. So too is his last chapter is the last miracle in chapter twenty one, where we again see the disciples at work, fishing and catching nothing till Jesus gives the order and they get that miraculous draft of fish. The chapter also sees the reinstatement of Peter after his threefold denial of Jesus and now the threefold confession of his love and his desire to follow the Lord. Jesus said, Come and I will make you fishers of men. And what we need to do is to allow the calling of Christ to bring forth a response from us so that we might be a fragrant aroma for him. Well, I'll look, I've gone past my time, so I must conclude just by reminding you that John talked about the exercising of all of our senses, improving something to God. So God uses the individuality of the four gospel writers to to, to convey similar and sometimes different aspects of the truth that not one of them could possibly express. The four Gospels are not contradictory but complementary and I look forward to hearing what the preachers have to say in the following days. And I close with this. John 20, 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Father, thank you for your word to us today and I I just pray that if there are people here today who do not know Christ as Saviour and Lord, that you'll just speak into their minds and into their hearts and into their lives and just give them the courage to come and say, Hey, I want to know this Jesus. I want to commit my life to him. I want to become a sweet aroma of his life and love. I want to be a fisher of men in this world. I just want to love Jesus and I just want to be loved by him. Oh, Father, I do pray for your people everywhere, for this whole world, that they might come to know you and find the forgiveness that you alone can give. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.